0: Today um, is actually, um, this is the end of our sermon series. We've had uh, the 12 minor prophets. We've taken them 12 weeks in a row. This is week 13, and so one last time I'm just going to give a parade of names to honor uh, these 12 books that we've, we've walked through. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So there they are. That's the final parade of names. And um, if you've been with us for, for most of this time, um, it has been kind of a wild ride. Uh, we talked at the beginning how so few of us know much about the, the 12 minor prophets. Um, you know, maybe we've read one or two, heard a lot of quotes. But getting into the action here, I mean, you have everything, you know, everything from utter desolation to a promised glorious new future, and then everything in the middle. Um, I mean, just all kind of action. It's it's been like a Hollywood blockbuster every week, I think. Um, But specifically, there have been two major themes that have stood out. Now, one of the major themes is uh, on God's side, and the other is on our side. Um, Keith, you actually, wherever you are, you prayed the two major themes, um, believe it or not, today. And and on on one one hand, we have, through every single book, we have from God unlimited power and unlimited goodness. We just see it time and time again, you know, that God is is not just the Lord of the church. He is the Lord of all nations. Um, He is the God of all creation. God makes a plan. God purposes to do something, and it happens. And nothing and no one can stand against him. You could be the wickedest king with the biggest army, it doesn't matter what God says goes, and we just see his his power, Uh, it's it's unquestionable. And then we we see God's goodness, we just see again and again and again that God is love. Not that God is just loving, he is love all the way through. God never gives up on people. Um, You may need to hear that today, by the way, you may feel like a lost cause, um, like, you know, you have done so much, God could never love you. God is love. He never gives up on people. Um, and boy, some of the stuff his people have done, they're incredible here. But, but he, he never stops pursuing us. Um, God is always offering people forgiveness, life, salvation, peace, joy. I mean, he's always with arms wide open that, that, that prodigal father, uh, the father of the prodigal son, and this theme of God's goodness and God's power, they are everywhere in the 12 minor prophets. They're also everywhere in the rest of the story, right? I mean, this is the story of God in Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And then we have the people side, right? And we know what's coming here. We also have this theme of people, and the, the theme is one of depravity. Um, here's what depravity means. Depravity means that we are like a car with a bad alignment, Okay? No matter how good God is to us, no matter how many times he shows up in his goodness and his power and his love, and he sets us on the right road, uh, humanity pulls right or pulls left into the same ditch of darkness and sin and death. And so what we've seen about people is what we already know, you know, it's what we've always known about people, that people are like the old 80s uh, Snickers bar commercials, anybody remember that one? Snickers bar commercial from the eighties. No matter how you slice a Snickers, it comes up peanuts, right? It's, it's just how it is. You know Romans three twenty three is true. It's it's not a suggestion that applies to a few people. It says there that all have sinned, all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We we also have Jeremiah seventeen nine that the heart of mankind is deceitful, deceitful above all things. And it is beyond cure. And by the way, beyond cure means what we've seen. That no matter what the situation is, no matter how good things are or how bad things are, we will sin. Humanity will sin. And when we sin, we cannot fix ourselves and we cannot save ourselves, okay? There's not a smile in the room. But good news, okay? But good news. God never meant for us to, okay? So let me pray and then let's get on with this. Father, we rejoice in who you are, and um, God, we thank you that you are the God of all creation, that, that, Lord, you have a plan that is so epic, it's so sweeping, it's so wonderful, and the plan is not that we've got it together, we'll ever figure it out, that that we somehow will right ourselves, but it is that you are the God of love, that you are the God who is passionate about the people he has created. And you will win in the end. And we thank you, Lord, that that is good news for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, God's solution uh, for all of us has three parts to it. And um, I'll give you our part first. We actually have a part to play in this, okay? So uh, this isn't all God. There's a little bit of us in here. We've already seen this throughout the, the, the 12 minor prophets. Um, for us, our part uh, or, or the path to spiritual life, okay, the part that we play in the path of spiritual life, it involves four R's, okay? And we have seen these all over the Minor Prophets. Um, number one, uh, the first R is to realize, okay? And it's to realize what Keith prayed and realize what I just shared with you a moment ago about people. And it, it is that sin and life apart from God always leads to spiritual death. You know, sin has a 100% mortality rate, all right? Nobody escapes it. The wages of sin is death. Realizing that is one of the best things that ever happens to us. Without realizing that, we're in a lot of trouble spiritually. So that's the first thing. We realize what sin is doing to us. Second, though, we remember um, what I just talked about and what Keith prayed, that God is life. He alone is life. He is the source of life. He is the author of life. Um, he is the sustainer of life. To, to copy the 70s uh, praise song, it is in Him we live and move and have our being, okay? God is life. And I could have sung that, but after Jerome, I'm not about to sing. So forget that. Okay, so we remember that. And then the third are, or really the third and fourth is repentance, right? We, we repent and we return, right? We turn away from sin and we make our way to God. We go to God. That is the saving storyline all throughout Scripture, okay? There isn't a person who gets rescued by God that doesn't go through those steps in some way. So this is absolute for all people. This is the part we play in salvation. Now, there are two more parts, um, and these are God's parts, and you can probably guess what the second one is, okay? It's the Sunday school answer when you're like in first and second grade for every question that's ever answered, Okay? Jesus, exactly, yes, you got it. It is Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ, right? God sends Jesus Christ, His Son, and while He is on this earth, Jesus shows us the way back to God. Now, He does that in a lot of different ways, right? He speaks and He talks about the kingdom of God. He gives us prayers like the the one that Greg just prayed, right? Right? Um, Jesus, uh, He shows people the way back to God through miracles, through God's power, through God's healing, through love, forgiveness. So, Jesus shows us the way back to God, but then Jesus opens the way back to God through the cross. Jesus dies in our place. The death penalty of sin, right? We've all earned it. You know, it, it ought to be us, that capital crime. Jesus pays that price, with his life on on the cross, and then Jesus lives out the greatest miracle of all time. He rises from the dead, and when he rises from the dead, he breaks the death grip of sin over all humanity. I mean, see why we call it the greatest miracle? I mean, it's incredible. And so, for those who believe in Jesus and receive him as Lord, what happens is we are saved, okay? And we are given everlasting life in place of everlasting death. Now, here's where we start to move into spiritual vibrancy and spiritual, uh, spiritual health, okay? We recognize, too, according to Scripture, that eternal life doesn't begin when this life ends. It's a big mistake. I used to believe that I can't wait until one day I get to experience eternal life, I'll get to heaven and be with God. Eternal life begins the moment we say yes to Jesus Christ, we enter into it even down here in part, and, and it's described. Here's how it's described in Scripture, and you'll be able to tell that I went to Bible Gateway and pulled out every single descriptor here. This, this eternal life down here even is described as new, abundant, eternal, light-filled, uh, peaceful, holy, godly, indestructible, and good. That's quite a string of adjectives right there, okay? I mean, there is nothing, there's not a sour patch in that bunch. These are phenomenal descriptions. And it brings up a great question, I think, here, even before we get to part three. And the question, I I just have to ask it as a human being, is why? You know, God, why would you do this? I I mean, God, why save a people? And why give a people this kind of life, a people like us who... Right after our creation, all the way up through the present, we do nothing but rebel against you and we reject you. God, why do that? And it's actually no mystery in Scripture. Um, In fact, Jesus prays this beautifully in John 17 20 through 21. He tells us what God is up to all along, He tells us what God wants with us, what, what God wants to bring us into. And, and Jesus says this, I pray for those who will believe in me, okay, that's us, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may know that you have sent me. And so what Jesus is telling us is that what God wants from us is he wants a relationship of oneness with us. God wants union with us, this kind of a unity with us. Paul prays it this way, Um, Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. For some of you, this is your favorite verse. Um, But Paul prays that we will be rooted and established in love, empowered together with all God's people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and how deep the love of Christ is that we may know this love, His love, that surpasses all knowledge, and that we are filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you know what both of those passages are telling us? That little child just told us. We just couldn't understand. Do, do, you, know the, do you know what those passages are telling us? It's telling us that the love, the life, and the light of God are not just facts. They are realities to be experienced in relationship to God. That, that, that's a big deal. They are literally to be experienced in a real everyday relationship with God. Now, how is that a description for your spiritual life? Does that describe you? Does that describe me? Does that describe most Christians you know? Does that describe most churches that you know? Fill to the full measure of the fullness of God in relationship like this, light, love, and life. Well, I think if we're honest, it doesn't. It doesn't describe many Christians or or many churches. But here's something that should encourage us. That also didn't describe the, the disciples of Jesus after his death and after his resurrection in the beginning. The, the, those descriptors didn't, didn't actually fit those first followers of Jesus after he rose. There are other words that describe them. Okay, I'll, I'll give you those. Um, you could say that uh, they were hopeful, but still very scared and despairing. Um, they were believing but they were still really doubtful and really cynical. So in other words, the, these first disciples of Jesus, these the, the, this, these first followers, they're very much like the people you see in the minor prophets. They're a whole lot like us. You know, when it comes to God and the spiritual life, they're, they're back and forth. They're, they're hot and cold, they're saved, but they're still really struggling sinners, which now brings us to part three of God's solution, and our sermon series that's coming up on the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus told us, he said, look, I'm going to leave, right, says this in Scripture, I will leave, and the Holy Spirit's going to come, and when you read everything he says about the Holy Spirit, what Jesus is saying is, and everything will change for you. Everything will change when he comes. Now, just so you know, the Holy Spirit has an incredible job description, all right? He's got a beautiful resume in Scripture, and I, I'm going to tell you what Jesus says about him. Okay. Oh, and by the way, it all relates to us. Everything the Holy Spirit, okay, Jesus says about him, it, it actually has to do with you and me. He says the Holy Spirit will come, and he will do the following. He will indwell us, and he will fill us. The Holy Spirit will cleanse us and sanctify us. And what that means is the Holy Spirit will actually make us holy. Um, The Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. He will teach us, and he will testify to our hearts about Jesus and about the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will speak to us, and the Holy Spirit will speak through us. The Holy Spirit will also pour the very fire of God into the followers of Jesus, meaning... He will empower us, right? He will even gift us for ministry. So so going back to John 17, you know, this relationship of oneness and unity and fellowship with God, who's going to pull that off? The Holy Spirit is going to bring us into this very different life for God's people. Um, By the way, that word different is probably important to kind of specify that a little bit. Different means... A life that is very different from the world we live in and a life where we are very different in the world. Um, What that means, and I'll sound like the old Baptist preacher that used to preach to me when I was a kid, it it means that we won't look, we won't think, we won't act, and we won't even react like the world around us to all the action happening out here. So different doesn't mean that we are better than everyone else, it just really does mean that we are a different group of people in this earth. Um, So I'm gonna stop here now for a minute. I wanna talk to you about amphibians, okay? I heard this uh, illustration this week. I thought it was fantastic. I want you to think about a frog for a minute, okay? Um, Don't look at me and think of a frog, but just think of a frog. Um, A frog is an amphibian, right? We all agreed on that. An amphibian moves very comfortably and enjoys the benefits of two ecosystems, all right? Uh, frog enjoys the water and the frog enjoys the land. It enjoys the benefits of both. It lives on both. Here's the problem with the frog. If you take him and you only leave him on life for his whole life, uh, it's going to be a very short life, right? Uh, Same is true if he is only in water. He actually needs both. John Eldridge says this. I, I, I just think it's brilliant. Christians are amphibians spiritually in this life on earth. Designed to live, move, and enjoy the benefits of two realities, the physical world and the spiritual, the earth and the heavens. Each realm offers help for our resilience. The natural world is saturated with beauty that nourishes the human soul. But we're also created to comfortably live in the spiritual, drawing on the supernatural nourishment made available to us through the rest of God's wonderful kingdom." That's what it's supposed to be like for you and I in union with God, in this fellowship with God, in this spiritual life. But again, it doesn't describe enough of us, you know? We look at Christians today, and we we tend to see a couple of alarming trends uh, when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Um, we, We see some Christians out there in many churches that are just, they either dismiss the Holy Spirit entirely or they're just scared to death of the Holy Spirit. you know. As my Uncle Chester <laughs> used to say, he'd say, you know, if the Holy Spirit showed up in some churches, they'd slap a visitor badge on him, they'd sit him in the back row and tell him to be quiet. Right? They'd give him a visitor bag. So, so there's that group, and then you have some Christians though out there who, who they have a great love for the Spirit, but, but they seem to have forgotten that there's a father and a son as well. And neither one of those is a healthy relationship with the Holy Spirit and so we really want to take this journey together as a people I'll give you another reason why we're gonna spend some time getting to know the Holy Spirit um, it, it's because if the last two years have taught us anything it is the truth of Zechariah 4 6 that it is not by might and it's not by power but it is only by God's Spirit and in other words Folks, we, just as we don't have the power to save ourselves, we, we, in our own strength, in our own ingenuity, as smart as our session members are, right, as talented as our staff are, as, as great as we, you know, with all of our gifts, we don't have what it takes in and of ourselves to make ourselves live. Um, we, we just don't. It's not by our might or power, but by God's Spirit. And hopefully we've really seen that in, in the past few years, um, hopefully we have learned in the church that, that when it comes to politics, right, um, you know, I mean, politics, you know, they have, they have their good and, you know, they, they do a lot of good for us and we all hope for this and that and this kind of leader and that kind of leader. But at the end of the day, politics are never going to save us. You know, you could get every, uh, every policy passed that you want and every person in place, you still have the problem of sin, Politics will not save this world. That's also why some of you wonder, I've been asked, Steve, why don't you talk about politics very often? This is why. We've just got something much more important to focus on, someone so much more important to worship than than to get caught up in politics. We've also just seen in the Minor Prophets that we cannot behave our way into spiritual life. Um, I don't know, I've known a few people, you know, that claimed, oh, I, I, I walk in holiness, I just never sin anymore. Some of the most miserable people I've ever met, honestly. Uptight, rigid, we can't behave our way into spiritual life. Also in the church, a real lesson for the evangelical church is programming. You know, we need programs, right? I mean, good programs, the elders are going to get together and talk about that, discipleship programs. We need a way of doing things. But what the church says so often is we just think we're going to program our way forward. It doesn't work like that. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by His Spirit. And so what we're going to do is we are going to take a journey together into part three, uh, into the Holy Spirit and it's going to be next uh, next week, August all the way through November. And some of you are going, wait a minute, I can do the math that fast. That is 16 weeks of the Holy Spirit. So let me tell you what we're doing. In August, we're going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at, at the Trinity, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit and, and, and the, the first church. Then we're going to do nine weeks, September and October, on you can, you can guess this one, nine. Yeah, the fruits of the Spirit. We'll also talk about gifting of the Spirit. We're gonna talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and then finally, we're gonna take November up through Thanksgiving, and we're just gonna talk about life in the Spirit. Well, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? What does it mean to be a leadership that, you know, we, in, instead of like coming up with ideas, we actually pray and hear the voice of God together and move forward. So it's gonna be a great journey, um, I can tell by your faces you're excited. I am excited. It's going to be wonderful. So let me just pray for us, and uh, we'll just kind of move on from there. Father God, thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we, we just are so grateful for our time in the Minor Prophets. God, I thank you that your Old Testament speaks to us. It's not dry. It's not stale. It's not about yesterday. It's about today, and thank you. Thank you, God, for how you've shaped and molded and opened our eyes. And, Father, we just commit this new series to you on the Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, God, we want to be a people that that are filled with your life, your light, and your love. God, we want to be energized. Lord, we want to be those who don't just know a lot about you, but we know you. We are known by you. God, we are being changed daily by you. So Holy Spirit, just come and breathe life into this series. We commit it to you, and we just thank you for what you're doing, what you're saying, that you are up to much in these days with your people in Christ's name.